US shares were up this time yesterday. Now they're falling today. Same questions. Are they overvalued? Fears of COVID-19 without more government stimulus? The election uncertainty? Meanwhile, September PMIs with lockdowns largely a thing of the past. Why is the services number falling pretty much across Europe and in the United States? And the Aussie dollar down still further. Is it all because of easing expectations from the RBA? If so, why is the Kiwi dollar down a similar amount today? It's Thursday, the 24th of September, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is still rising. It's up another 0.4% this morning. The Aussie dollar down 1.3%, now uh, down to around 70.7 US cents. That's more than 2.7% down so far this week. Again, the US dollar is up on the Japanese yen and the Swiss franc, about half a percent up in each case. Uh, the pound is more or less holding its own, uh, but the euro is down 0.4%. And stocks in the United States, well, obviously, it's it's an about turn that we're seeing. Isn't that the norm now? Yesterday was up, so today down a 2 0.9% fall for the Nasdaq. It could be the lowest close for the Nasdaq since the end of July. Very likely, in fact, the S&P and the Dow are about 2% down. In Europe, shares closed up half a percent for the Eurostox 50 and 1.2% for the FTSE 100. No massive movements in bonds or oil. Uh, a 2.4% fall in gold, over 7% down for, so, uh, for silver. Comic silver has fallen 16% so far this week. So the yo-yo sentiment continues and does the name Ray Atrell mean anything to you? Vaguely familiar, perhaps? He is the head of FX strategy at NAB in Sydney. He used to be on this podcast, uh, and then he went on holiday. Uh, but now he's back. Good to have you back, Ray, after a few weeks. Look, an unfair question to welcome you back with. But the, but the NAB forecast for the Aussie dollar by the end of the year was that it would reach 74 US cents. It, it did reach that, of course, at the start of this month. But now it seems to be very firmly heading further and further away from that. So you're still sticking with that prediction? Uh, yes, morning, Phil, and uh, nice to be back on the on the podcast. And um, well, as my um, my former boss when I joined the NAB told me, he said, "Ray, when you're making your forecast, don't give them a date and a rate." So the fact that we got 74 and then uh, in August we're taking as a win. Um, but, you know, when we right. were there, we did say that we were not rushing to revise our forecast higher because there was every chance that we would see, you know, potentially a more protracted uh, risk off period, particularly as we headed towards the US elections. Um, and, uh, and the old mm. adage that nothing goes in a straight line is certainly playing out with some alacrity, isn't it, in the last uh, week or two at least. So, um, yeah. so the short answer is um, no. We're, we're happy to stay where we are and um, still believing that uh, ultimately dollar weakness is going to prevail. Uh, and that, amongst other factors, right. means that we're not expecting this Aussie uh, sell-off to develop into uh, to a much, much deeper correction from here. So this Aussie sell-off, which obviously is which is much more than the, the, the dollars rising uh, uh, sure. the you mm-hmm. know, best part of this week. So th- that is because of this, uh, the, you know, the, the question about whether the RBA or the expectation now that the RBA is going to re- ease – uh, Tay McCran, incidentally, is saying no. He says no reason for the RBA to do it on the same day as the budget. So maybe they'll wait a bit, or maybe he thinks they won't do it at all. Well, certainly, although that hasn't really resonated overnight, certainly hasn't uh, hasn't caused a reversal in the Aussie. Um, I would say I think the bulk of the fall in, in the Aussie, and looking at the New Zealand dollar, which has fallen exactly the same as the Australian dollar, says this is more to do with yeah. risk sentiment than it is with expectations. That said, um, as you know, NAB uh, changed its, its its call on Tuesday following the Gardner Bell speech to expect um, cuts in interest rates across the board down to 0.1%. Um, we 
were a little bit vague on timing and, and you know, others have joined the fray um, and suggesting that uh, if there is going to be a move, it could coincide uh, with the budget on October the 6th. So I think that just has sort of crystallised thinking about rate cuts. But, you know, what I would say when we look at the Aussie dollar um, in the way that we model it in terms of what we call fair value, um, you know, if I take 15 basis points off the whole interest rate structure, for example, which is probably, you know, reasonable to expect if the RBA does follow through, as, as we expect, the implications for the Aussie are pretty minor. We're talking about a cent or so. So that doesn't explain getting from 74 down to below 71. So, um, you know, at the margin, it's a factor, but I think it's it's certainly not the uh, the big driver of this move that we're seeing just at the moment. Right. So, that, I mean, and the, as you mentioned, in New, in New Zealand, because the RBA, RBNZ uh, had their decision yesterday and their decision was not to have a decision at all. Uh, and so that won't have influenced the Kiwi dollar too much because I think that was the expectation from everybody that for now they're going to uh, uh, sit on their hands. So, so, you know, it is a reflection of this, this risk off sentiment. And that's been reflected in, in US equities as well. So what is driving this risk off all of a sudden, apart from all the ongoing, you know, we know what they are all the ongoing factors, uh, what's changed today? Well, I'm not sure anything has changed. I think obviously, you know, I think as you say, I mean, the ongoing factors are, you know, the the, you know, the rise in infection rates in Europe and the US and, and the economic implications of the uh, the strictures that follow mm. from that. Um, you know, we are, you know, very much in that US election window. We've been saying that historically, if, if markets are going to take some fright at the prospect of uh, of either heightened uncertainty or, or a change of the colour of the US government, um, that has historically weighed on yeah. equities. Um, and also, I'd add to that, that, um, you know, we're no further uh, or no closer to getting a, a fiscal stimulus agreed. And, and the, the current White House preoccupation with, um, you know, nominating a successor to Ruth Ginsburg to the Supreme Court, you know, seems to be, you know, it's, it's a detraction or a distraction from, you know, the business at hand, which is to try and replace the, the CARES Act with some sort of fiscal support bill at the yeah. moment. That, that's not looking there. And the economic implications of that uh, are pretty, uh, are very consequential. And, um, you know, I think that's an additional factor just at the moment. Well, a conspiracy theorist would say that uh, that Donald Trump is trying to get uh, well Amy Coney Barrett as the is 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 his likely yeah. uh, uh, contender, and he's going to he's going to announce this on Saturday, five p.m. Uh, uh, in in the United States. Um, she's a religious conservative. A conspiracy theorist would say, well, he's trying to get her in place in case he challenges the results of the election in November. So that would add even more uncertainty. But that is pure conspiracy <laughs> theory, and we'd never we'd never stoop to that level um, on this podcast. Obviously. Well, I mean, I, I think potentially. I mean, obviously, if we do get a, a conservative appointed, then there will effectively be a six-three majority uh, of conservatives yeah. on the Supreme Court. And ultimately, if there is a contested election, um, it will be the job of the Supreme Court ultimately to determine the result. So. You know, it's not a complete conspiracy theory, but but you know, maybe a little closer to home. What I would say is that uh, if Amy Barrett is the uh, the nominate uh, the nominated successor, um, you know, there is a view she is a Midwestern Catholic, um, and the view is that she may help swing some votes, particularly in the uh, in the Midwest or the Rust Belt and Great Lakes states, where currently um, you know mm. Joe Biden is uh, you know is a nose ahead of, uh, of Donald Trump in the polls. So maybe it could be a, a swing factor there. So it does potentially influence the um, yeah. the election election outcome and certainly adds can add to the uncertainty and this view that the polls currently showing Biden quite comfortably in the lead are likely to narrow as we head nearer to uh, election day. So, I mean, our equities, Dan, we'll get off the United States in a second. We've spent long enough there. But are our equities also feeling the hurt a little bit because we've had central uh, government speakers, Fed speakers, Richard Clarida, Charles Evans, Loretta Mester, 
Eric Rosengren, all of them saying that we need this stimulus. It's really needed to get the economy moving. And the fact that they are now laying it down so heavily and it's clearly not happening, people are reading that as a sign that the, the economy is going to go through some real turbulence. No, I think there's, there's certainly something to that. And I think looking at equities, what's noteworthy to me compared to where we were, you know, a couple of weeks ago when it was very much, uh, you know, a tech sector sell off. And the, uh, the argument was that this mm. is largely rotation out of what was clearly, you know, a part of the, uh, the stock market was developing bubble characteristics. If I look at something like the Russell 2000, which is a small and mid cap um, index, that's down just as much as the, um, as the S&P and the NASDAQ today. In fact, 2.8%. I think it's the worst performing sector. So that tells you that this is much more broad-based sell-off, which is more consistent with it being related to concerns about the economy than uh, just the fact that there was so much froth uh, in the technology sector at the beginning of the month. Yeah, and the the technology sector is being driven as well by big stories, isn't it? Like uh, today, uh, Tesla down along, uh, down 10% basically today because it was their battery day. There was an expectation that they were going to unveil this battery that could last a million miles. And they didn't do that. They just announced a cheaper car. So I think that disappointed the markets a bit. Well, let's look at uh, let's look at PMIs out overnight. The uh, the flash numbers. There were lots of them for the US and Europe. Let's look at the US ones first. Uh, it's a similar story in Europe, though. Up for manufacturing, down for services. Still growing, but the rate of recovery in the service sector seems to have slowed. Yes, I mean the markets focus ten tend to focus more on those ISM numbers that we won't get until um, till, uh, early next month. But um, so, but relatively flat, I would mm. say. Um, you know, so still both expanding, um, you know, in pretty sharp contrast to what we're seeing in Europe, where you've got the services PMIs for the Eurozone, whether it's Germany, France, or Pan-Eurozone, all back yeah. below 50, so effectively in contraction. Other manufacturing doing really well, Germany in particular, which obviously, you know, in our demand mind, reflects the strength of the uh, of export demand linked to, you know, the, the solidity of China's economic recovery. So you've got this real contrast now, haven't you, with, um, you know, services versus manufacturing, not evident in the mm. UK and the US as yet, but obviously, the you know, the, the, the new um, restrictions on uh, movement in the UK you know, have only just come into effect. So it's too early to expect that they will have impact. And almost inevitably, that will show up in much weaker services readings than that 55.1 that yeah. we've got. Well, I mean, yeah, it is sort of fairly logical, isn't it? In that you know, you manufacturing, uh, you can go and work in, in 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 manufacturing. The service sector, obviously, tourism and hospitality is uh, is is getting hit hard. And in the UK, where the uh, the services PMI actually uh, is at fifty five point one, so quite a bit over fifty, because they had the whole uh, help out by eating out. You know, it, it do your service to the country by going out uh, and quaffing champagne and uh, eating large well, meals. Well, I was well, that would have helped. You may be drinking champagne, but the thought of uh, you know, getting a decent <laughs> British curry for ten quid is uh, was, was too enticing. It would have been too enticing for me had I been uh, still resident in that part of the world yeah. for sure. So I certainly do think it was a, it was a factor helping hold up the index yeah. there. But those happy days are probably behind the UK because the uh, COVID infection rate now well over six thousand in a day today, and in France over thirteen thousand new cases. So bad news for those who. Uh, Hope the the upsurge in in France was was losing its momentum because it's back again, and no signs of it slowing down in the US either. So that's uh, that continues to be the number to watch, doesn't it? Yes, no, I think that's uh, that, you know, that's certainly the case. So um, you know, let's see, but uh, say the outlook for the next uh, few months at least is uh, isn't promising to say the it least. It isn't. Is it? Now look uh, today very quickly. Then the German IFO service uh, survey, I should say, and the UK CBI trade surveys are out. Uh, so will they also show signs of, uh, of slowing growth? 
growth. It's going to be interesting to see. We also get the weekly jobless claims for the US later on. So are they uh, picking up any momentum? And we get a, a bunch more Fed speakers out and about uh, giving out words that we can try and interpret. None of which I think will be particularly market moving. I think the IFO survey is uh, is probably the, the pig of the crop and is expected to show um, you know, some further improvement, certainly consistent with what we're seeing in the manufacturing PMI there. Jobless claims are you know, of some interest at least and a small decline is expected, but certainly the trend there uh, has been you know, that the, 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 the trend improvement that we had been seeing um, you know, earlier in the, uh, the North American summer has come to a close. So there'll be a bit of a a ripple, I suspect, with those numbers and say Fed speakers galore. But um, I think we've become a little bit inured to them. And, uh, and we've got Jay Powell and uh, and Steve Mnuchin testifying again. So, you know, again, that message that we need that fiscal stimulus will be there. And um, to what extent the, um, you know, the Treasury Secretary is, is willing to uh, to meet in the middle uh, will be one focus of attention there as in mm. trying to get this deal over the line in the next couple of weeks. Well, good to have you back, Ray, uh, back at the desk, uh, wherever that is, at home, presumably. Um, so, been on holiday, just moved to the living room rather than the, uh, rather than the study. That's right. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Will do. Thanks, Phil. Still got it, hasn't he? Uh, he's back again uh, next week on the morning call. I'm back tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then. Thanks for listening. 